Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. What's up, guys? This is Alex with the Defining Dad Bod podcast here with a good friend, Andrew Bustamante. Extremely excited to bring him to you. He is a real-life spy turned domestic dad, and there's a number of ways you can get in contact with him. Right now, we've got andrewbustamante.org. That's B-U-S-T-A-M-A-N-T-E.org. You can check out his Me Now movement at menownovement.com. You can also get connected with him via social media on Facebook and Instagram at I'm Andrew Bustamante. Andrew, how are you today, man? I'm well, Alex. Thank you very much for having me and for making sense out of that crazy last name. (laughs) You're definitely welcome. It gets the attention for sure. So let's dive right in, man. I need to help everybody understand the difference between a real spy and a fake spy, okay? So when I when I talk to you about what's going on in, in your life and in your business right now, I want to get to know you a little bit. And my idea of a spy is like James Bond dual-wielding on the Xbox, <laughs> you know, trying to, you know, swing from the crane and stuff and watch out for the assets that have been put against him. Help me understand what real life spy work looked like for you and how the whole transition's going from being a spy to domesticated dad. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you right now that if real life spy work looked anything like James Bond, I would still be a real life spy. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> if they were going to issue me supermodels and supercars, you know, I, it'd be a hard job to walk away from. <laughs> I could see that for sure. No, but uh, the real the real working life of a spy uh, is designed to look like something that's just going to fit in with everyday life. It's supposed to be dull and boring and completely unobservable to the to the average observing eye. So if a, if a spy is to be successful, they want to draw no attention to their activities. And the only way that you can draw no attention to your activities is to look like the most bland, boring, dull person in the world. So uh, so the next time you're walking down the street, take a second to try to notice the person that you would never notice in that moment. And there's a chance that that person might be a spy. Whoa, that just changed everything about how I'm going to walk through town. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, I just picture myself kind of at the gym, you know, I've, I'm hanging out over here doing the single arm dumbbell rows and there's a guy curling in the squat rack and I'm like, Oh, that guy, he doesn't know what he's doing, but he could be he a could spy be. <laughs> just trying to act like he doesn't know what he's doing in the gym, which might, might explain the split biceps. So thanks for that. I, have, I appreciate, So, you know, I, I appreciate that thought. You've got, you've got your kiddos at home. You've got a four year old name. Is it Sina and a, a and a four month old named Ali, boy and girl? So you're transitioning from 
you know, the meld into everyday life, look like the average Joe, though I'm a man on a mission, which right. I think a lot of us can actually jive with when you, you dive into your, your mundane work life and, and, you know, deep inside, you understand you're a man on a mission, but you, ble- you nobody would know looking from the outside and nobody would know. But now that you're transitioning from, from that world, the non James Bond spy world to domesticated dad, how's that going, man? I mean, it's a, it's a pretty tough challenge and a pretty tough transition. Tell me about it. Yeah, the transition is interesting because what I find is uh, it falls on two extremes. There's the parts of it that are extremely exciting and extremely welcoming and sometimes even extremely easy, right? Like not having to fly to some random country in the world to disappear for a few weeks at a time while my children and my wife aren't allowed to know what I'm doing. Stepping away from that was super easy and really exciting. You know, having the confidence to know that I'm going to be home for every birthday and for every Christmas and for every Thanksgiving, really, really exciting, easy stuff, right? It's, it's encouraging and it's positive to me to know that if my kid has an issue with a bully at school, I'm going to be home when he comes home and we're going to talk it out. That's, that's the great part of it. But the challenging part of it is it's hard to recreate your life. It's hard to define yourself as a professional when you're bouncing off of professional espionage. Those are not skill sets that easily translate in the workplace. Uh, it's, it's one thing to get a job interview with a company. It's a completely different thing to sit down at that job interview. And when they ask you what practical skills you have in IT or sales or marketing, uh, you know, most people will sit down and have a cup of coffee with you if they find out that you are a former spy, but that doesn't mean they're going to give you a paycheck. Right. And you've got some really powerful concepts and some awesome practical takeaways that you have conveniently stuck in a book for everybody called Everyday Espionage, Winning the Workplace. And and I want to dive into that. It's it's available on Amazon. We'll put it on the guest resources when this gets published, which I'm excited about. But we've in talking about your publication, there's one really important thing that you bring to the table, or at least you start from this premise, and that's that there are and help me help me you know fix this if I misunderstand. And you're you're the expert spy here, so you've got direct influences in your life, and you have indirect influences in your life, and your direct influences are the ones that you know influence you, like your formal education, your religious background, your personal experiences, but then you have the indirect influences, which, which as you say in your book, uh, are really powerful and impactful on an everyday basis on how you know the workplace operates, how your friends operate, how your coworkers operate, and, and you really bring to light some practical ways that you can influence people's ego and their emotions and their you know, their biases or preconceived notions that really influences their actions without them necessarily knowing about it. Can you dive into that concept a little bit for me and give me maybe a specific example? Because you're right, trying to bring that to an interview, the guy would just raise his eyebrow at you. But I, I bet you've had some practice making this making this work for us non-spies. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think you did a great job of capturing the basic premise between direct and indirect influence. And my my book serial, Everyday Espionage, of which you're holding the first issue, winning the workplace, the whole concept, the whole purpose of that serial is to introduce in bite-sized forms this idea of leveraging indirect influence to our competitive advantage in real life, in the everyday existence that we lead, in this case, in the everyday workplace. Direct influences are those things that we all acknowledge that we have, and you've already covered that, right? Everybody, if you are, if you go to church on Sunday, 
and you go to a Baptist church or you go to a non-denominational church or whatever, then you have a faith set that is a direct influencer in your life and you operate under that faith set. If you were raised uh, in a in a neighborhood that was safe, or if you were raised in a neighborhood that was uh, rough and tumble, if you were raised by uh, two loving parents, or if you were raised by your grandparents or step parents, uh, you know, all of those things are direct influences that impact our lives. And we can draw a direct line back to those influences. Uh, I was raised by a single mom in many ways. So I can look right back and I can see behavioral things that I do, uh, opinions that I have, personal preferences that I have, and I can tie them directly back to how I was raised. Those are all direct influencers in my life. And most people seem to think that direct influencers are the most important. Uh, I'm going to marry somebody who comes from the same background that I come from, somebody who understands and appreciates my direct influencers and who shares those same direct influences so that we can have an intentional life together, uh, you know, raising our children with the same influencers. But the truth is that in life, it's the indirect influencers that make the biggest difference. Most people don't understand that, which is why most people feel like they are struggling to achieve the life that they're trying to achieve. Most people are wondering why they're doing, they think they're doing things right, but life isn't playing out the way they want it to play out. And my argument in this serial and what my training has taught me with the agency is that the people who are the most successful are those who can apply indirect influence to gain a specific achievable objective on the other end. That was a lot of me talking. If you want me to keep going, just say the words. If I've lost you already, take me back to where I lost you. No, that's, that's pretty powerful. So let's, let's expand on that indirect influence and just give me maybe a specific example of a way that you've used this. I mean, you're, you're right now you're, you're building a business while being a dad, right? So you've got, as you like to put it, you're putting the plane together while it's in flight. Cause that's how it feels right. to grow a business while being a dad to toddlers. So right. how, how have you specifically used some indirect influences or maybe just one example so so that we can all really bite down on that. What's a way that you've used those indirect influences in order to grow your business? Okay. Uh, actually, let me give you two examples. Uh, the first example, I'll make it a professional example. And the second example, I'll make it a dad example to kind of help, you know, um, really drive home how applicable this stuff can be. So on the professional front, networking is incredibly important to anybody who's trying to build a business. And networking is extremely time-consuming. Right. Every hour that you're out at a benefit, at some kind of event, at some kind of a social, you are, you know, trying to peddle business cards or trying to make connections, shake hands, whatever it is. It's time consuming and it can be very exhausting for some people. So we want to make the most out of every opportunity we have to go out networking. That is all direct influence. We're all capitalizing on the fact that we're going to directly influence somebody because we're going to meet them and shake their hand. Indirect influence happens when you have two or three people that you regularly network with, people that have had a positive experience with you already. And instead of investing your time in new strangers at new social events, you invest your time in the people who already know you and already trust you. Those people, you do what you can to help them succeed, help them achieve what they're trying to achieve. And now what you've done is indirectly influence those few people to be advocates for you anywhere you go. So it's kind of like a reverse pyramid scheme. You've invested in three people, and now anywhere they go, they're going to bring information back. They're going to bring connections back. They're going to be peddling your name, talking up 
what you can do for other people because you've done it for them. And now in essence, you have three people going out there who are talking about you instead of talking about themselves. That's indirect influence. Absolutely. It sounds like spies are big fans of not wasting any time. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't want to waste time and you don't want to be the person there. Nobody is ever going to gain as much credibility by standing across from somebody and saying, look at me, I'm so important. That's never going to gain you the same amount of credibility as having a total stranger say, trust this guy. He's the real deal. When you have that level of credibility, whoever's receiving your name, whoever's getting your business card from somebody else, the impact of that recommendation is so much higher. Well, and that theme of putting your time and energy into an indirect influence that's going to pay off in the future, that's actually something that I preach quite a bit about when it comes to exercise and physical fitness. Not everything that you do in the immediate is actually going to pay off in the future. You know, it feels good at the time or it feels like you're actually getting some work done. But when you apply intelligent science and you put your energy into the most efficient things, it pays off in the long term. That theme jives with me 100%. So tell me about the indirect influences with being a dad, you know, because I picture my toddler right now who likes to ruin my wife's lipstick and pour things out all over the floor. A direct, a direct influence is like, <laughs> go to your room. <laughs> you're, you're, you're driving your mom crazy, right? right. So, so how, how have you utilized the indirect influence theme in your life as a father? So one of the big things that spies do to succeed in their work is something called gaining perspective. In the book, uh, Winning the Workplace, I go into it. I call it, I call it consideration, considering the perspective of the person that you're trying to win over. So let's take my four-year-old, for example. From the time that my four-year-old was two, he basically developed the he – he developed an opinion – and he developed the ability to communicate, maybe not in words, but he could most certainly communicate with nonverbal signals. He could just completely disregard something I had to say. Um, but from about the time of from two to four, we've been in this communication-based relationship. And when I apply the same concepts of perspective and consideration to my two-year-old, what that means is I need to try to take time to consider what life looks like to that two-year-old, that three-year-old, who is currently now a four-year-old. What does life look like to them? And when I adjust my perspective a little bit and I stop thinking like a entrepreneurial dad who's trying to make the most out of every possible minute, I put my mind in that of a four-year-old who really has no concept of time at all. Every minute is just another minute to go out and have a good time and to play and to meet friends or whatever else, have an experience. And what does that four-year-old want? All that four-year-old wants is the semblance, the reality of having a choice to make for himself. He wants to be a big boy. He wants to be a grown-up. He wants to be respected. And anybody who wants to be respected really just wants to have an opinion that they can verbalize and they want to have the choice to do what they want to do. So in that same example, go to your room, right? This happens to us multiple times a day. Our child is playing with toys or he's making too much noise or he's doing something. He's supposed to be going to bed, but he's not going to bed. He's supposed to be brushing his teeth, but he doesn't want to brush his teeth. We've all been in that position. So what I do with my son to apply indirect influence is I give him the perception that he has a choice. So it's six o'clock at night. Every night at six o'clock, we go brush our teeth and we go potty before we take a shower. Well, every night I, I say, are you ready to brush your teeth? And he always says no. He wants to have a choice. He wants to say no because he doesn't want to say yes. Okay, you don't want to brush your teeth. How many minutes would you like before we go brush your teeth? Now, remember, he doesn't have a concept of time. 
whether he says two minutes, 12 minutes, 200 minutes, he doesn't have any way of verifying whether it's been that long because he doesn't have a way of verifying time. He can look at a watch, but he doesn't know how to say five o'clock. But he will say, I would like seven minutes, please, Dad. Okay, buddy, I'll give you seven minutes and then we'll go brush your teeth. Now, he feels like he made a decision. He feels like I respected his decision. And the indirect influence here is that I'm getting my way because he is now believing that I'm going to tell him when seven minutes is up and we're going to go brush our teeth. So if we're running behind schedule, seven minutes looks more like two minutes. And if we're running ahead of schedule, sometimes I'll give him 20 minutes. But the point is that he made, he made his requirements clear. I respected his perspective from his perspective. And we moved on to do what needed to be done. The operation, the end goal that I was pursuing was met. So I wanted to read a quote from your book that I thought was really powerful kind of on this topic and then uh, bleed that into what you're doing with your personal mission. There was something you said in here that I thought was super impactful. And you said that the fundamentals of espionage constitute the framework for personal motivation. The process that makes traitors can also inspire heroes, much like a fire can devour a home or galvanize steel. You're talking about the ability to manipulate a situation to come out on top. And I think that's so powerful in the sense that, you know, we dads on a regular basis, let's be real, we wake up every day and we do our best, but how often do we know whether or not we're doing it right? But that speaks to the level of of self-development. If you put a superpower in the hands of an evil person, they do bad things with it. You put a superpower in the hands of an awesome person, they do awesome things with it, which leads me to the, the question of you developing yourself and how that works as a dad and how maybe fitness plays into that, because this is the Defining Dad Bod podcast, and I believe one of the most powerful ways that we can be the hero as opposed to the traitor is to ensure that we are developing ourselves so that the superpowers we do get are used for for good in the world. So how's that going for you, Andrew, with a four-year-old and a four-month-old at home? How are you pouring into yourself, and, and what, uh, what flavor does fitness put in that? It's an excellent question, actually, and, and it's I'm glad that you turned us towards fitness. I guess I shouldn't be surprised because we are defining dad bot here, but uh, I, I oftentimes, I'm so focused on mentality and mindset and how our mind works cognitively and emotionally that I often don't pay enough attention. I don't give enough credit to the fact, the, the benefit of physicality, of fitness specifically. A lot of people talk about the mind as kind of an engine, but what I've discovered is that the body is really the engine. The body is the engine that feeds and nourishes the mind. If you want to have a healthy mind, you have to have a healthy body. Before I was, uh, before I had made my transition from international espionage to domesticated dad, uh, I was always very focused on uh, a strong and healthy fitness routine. And when you're single or when you're newly wed and when you're traveling, uh, there are certain challenges that come with it, but nothing that compares to having kids. You can always find an hour or an hour and a half to go out and be fit. You can always have the, the wherewithal to turn down that third beer you know, on a random night of the evening because you know the calories are unnecessary. Somehow life is just simpler and fitness is so much easier uh, because you build a habit, you build a routine, and the only routine you have to keep is that physical routine. So I had, I was a regular, I was an avid runner. I enjoyed doing a lot of, uh, I enjoyed CrossFit a lot. I enjoyed uh, expeditionary kind of uh, athletics, things like hiking or orienteering, things where you go out and apply apply your fitness 
to what you do. And and I was fortunate enough to have a job where applied fitness was not all that hard, right? Going and hiking through some forest to do some covert op is a little bit easier whenever uh, whenever that's part of the job. It's not like I had to take time out of my schedule to go uh, orienteer. But the point is that when kids entered the equation, a lot of that changed. And just like I said at the beginning of our conversation, when life got better because I didn't have to jet set to some part of the world that I didn't really want to be at in the first place, that also cost me the opportunity to go do the foreign diet. And if you've ever been overseas and gotten sick, you know exactly what a foreign diet is. When you lose five pounds very quickly because you drank some bad water for over the course of a weekend. But now that I'm now that I'm not in that business anymore, and now that I'm trying to find a way to balance my commitments as a father with my fitness, what I found is it's had to change. And I've also found that fitness has, fitness is, it has to be a priority. It has to be because your mind is never going to function at its capacity if you give it bad input. And that bad input is whatever you choose to eat and drink. So you've got to keep your, you've got to keep the engine running clean if you expect performance from the mind. So my fitness routine now shifts with my children. Sometimes it's yoga. Sometimes it's uh, running. Sometimes it's uh, body weight calisthenics. I have to find whatever routine will work, even if it's just for two weeks. I have to find some routine that allows me to maintain that balance so I can keep my mind sharp. Otherwise, when I let the fitness go, you just you let your mind go and everything goes along with it. Well, absolutely. And you spoke just a bit ago about how much mental willpower it might take in order to indirectly influence your children in a positive way. And if you aren't physically taking care of yourself so that your mind's not as sharp as possible, or perhaps, I don't know how you feel about this, but if I get a workout in in the morning, I'm just a sharper person all day long, right? So when the, you know, the bedtime stuff shows up and I need to be the mastermind spy manipulator that lets this be a win-win for my toddler and me. Uh, if I'm not there, then I won't have any patience. I won't have the wherewithal or the intelligence to, to bring that out. It's just I, I trudge through my day. I feel like garbage. Uh, this is just another thing I have to deal with. And my kid doesn't deserve that. He, he deserves an engaged dad who physically and mentally can stay a few steps ahead of him because he's only two. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, it shouldn't be too hard for, for a 30-year-old guy to keep up with a two-year-old kid, or at least intellectually. Now, energetically might be a whole different thing, but but we can talk about that later. So how you right now you're into yoga and running as I understand it about 4 days a week. Can you tell me about your program and how how that's going for you? Yeah, absolutely. On, on a good day, on the best days, uh, I'm able to hit a 20 to 30 minute yoga routine that's designed to you know, to get my joints ready for the impact sport of running. So I'll have a 20 to 20 to 30 minute routine that I'll embark upon probably about nine 30 or 10 o'clock in the morning on a good day. Uh, and then that's going to help kind of get my joints lubricated, get everything up and running so that over the lunch hour, I can get out and get that running. I'm old enough now that if I don't spend some serious time getting my body ready to run, I'm going to come back from that run. And once the orphan high is over, knees are going to ache, you know, plantar fascia are going to throb, uh, the, my lower back is going to be in pain, whatever it might be. So I've got to give my body that time to warm up and then I have to give, uh, my body that time to cool down afterwards. So my 30 minute, 20 to 30 minute yoga in the morning, my three to six miles in the afternoon, three to four times a week. And then I'll come back. And if it's an, if it's a very good day, then I'll find time in the afternoon, ideally with my son to then do a 20 to 30 minute cool down routine also with yoga, uh, which he always enjoys because he's got the flexibility to just rock it like it's not even hard. Um, so 
those those are the best the best days are when I get to have an, a yoga experience with my son after the run where he's showing me how to do the right downward dog. Uh, some days some days it, it changes. I don't get a chance to do the run, or or I have to do a, a really brief warm up stretch session over the course of five minutes before I run. And in order to maintain that healthy balance, I know that I can't take myself six miles on five minutes of stretching. So I might have to adjust it down. Uh, and then where on days where there's no running or on days that it's raining, I'm going to have to introduce some sort of uh, conditioning program with yoga. So something that's going to be more strength focused, something that's going to get me sweating right there on the floor in my house and cringing at the pain as I try to maintain a certain pose that's you know benefiting my uh, glutes or my quadriceps or something like that. I love that you incorporate your son into this so that at least part of your exercise program or part of what you stay consistent with isn't taking away necessarily from the time you, you get to spend being a father and that, you know, I could almost hear him saying, Hey dad, can we do some yoga? <laughs> uh, and, and that's something that, that, you know, he might ask for and that, that he, uh, he enjoys with you. So I think that's so powerful, man. Hats off to you for incorporating him, even though it's not, it's not the easiest thing. I can't say that the workouts that my son's been a part of have been the most effective for me, but it's so powerful to get that as a part of his life and to be able to spend that time with him without spending it elsewhere. Yeah. And it's, it's like you said, it's everybody who's a dad knows there's days that it works and there's days that it doesn't work. There are some days that I'm trying to do, you know, plank pose and I've got a dump truck driving up and down my back and that's not the best time. But when I apply the perspective of the fact that I'm at home exercising with my son, he sees me doing it. He's engaged with me. He's not having screen time somewhere. He's not, uh, you know, ignoring me. He's he is an active part of this experience, and he's taking on the fact that here's dad taking care of his body, being with me, and that's the that's the legacy I want for my children. So Andrew, that's really powerful. I love that you're working to make sure that your fitness routine keeps you sharp in mind, sharp in body, that it incorporates your kids. And I think that's something that we can all learn from. I'd like to shift the conversation as we finish up here into what you've got going on in your personal mission in public speaking. I understand that one of the things that your business entails is the platform wherein you're motivational speaking, you're instructorally speaking, you're bringing these concepts of espionage to the forefront so other people can use this influential and important information as we've just talked about professionally and as a dad, I imagine you can apply it just about anywhere. I, I took a second to talk about dumbbells in the squat rack. So let's talk about your personal mission and how it relates to what you're doing in, in the public speaking world right now. What are you trying to accomplish for the world? I want people to understand that life is not about compromise. And it's something that it's a word that gets tossed out a lot. Uh, and it's a word that I think is often misunderstood. In the world of espionage, compromise means that somebody has been defeated. Somebody has broken down and compromised information. They've compromised the trust that they've been giving. They've, they've compromised uh, protection of themselves or of some piece of confidential information. That's the compromise that the definition that I have worked with as a professional for a long time. And it's very frustrating to me to see people and see professional uh, trainings and, and books out there that are trying to encourage people that compromise is the solution. Compromise is really just the situation where nobody gets what they want and everybody gives something up to reach some middle ground that doesn't actually benefit either party. 
it's it's this it's this idea that somehow by nobody moving a ball forward, the ball will naturally move forward. I would like to replace that idea of compromise instead with the word collaboration, because really what we're trying to do is find the win-win solution. You've mentioned that a number of times on this call. When somebody is a win-lose, then you know somebody is a lose. When no progress is made, that's a lose-lose. So when we talk about compromise, that's a lose-lose situation. What we want to find is the win-win. And the only way to get there is by collaborating. I collaborate with my son so that he gets what he wants and stays up a few minutes later, and I get what I want, and I get him on his routine, brushing his teeth and going to bed at night. When I'm at work and I want a promotion, I want the promotion because I know that I deserve it and I know that I'm qualified for it. And when I get my employer, when I use indirect influences to convince my employers of my value, then really what I'm doing is helping the company grow also. If you try to pull a fast one on your company, they're never going to promote you because they know better. But there's a lot of excellent employees out there that don't know their own value or do know their own value, but don't know how to translate that value into in such a way that their company is going to value them the way that they should be valued. So my personal mission is all about applying these espionage concepts, taking them out of the shadows and helping people understand that what we do to keep America safe, what we do to steal secrets and recruit assets to gain, to gain intelligence and gain some sort of competitive advantage in the political world. Those same skill sets can apply to what you're trying to do in your own life to find your own financial freedom, to find your own sense of self-confidence, and to achieve the life that you want to achieve instead of compromising on the life you deserve. Man, I don't know if there's much I can add to that, but I would just like to say that as dads on a regular basis, we walk through our day and we we feel like we have to compromise so many things on a regular basis. Like I could make it in the workout world. Like I need to do this for my family, but I also need to work out. So I'm going to compromise and get that 30 minute workout in rather than the 90 minute workout in. Whereas if we're collaborating, kind of like you said, Hey, I'm going to get my run in and then I'm going to come do my yoga routine while my son's a part of that. And I just think that is such a powerful concept. And I appreciate that you brought it up on the show and that you're bringing it to the world through your book as everyday espionage, through your public speaking, through your me now movement. And I think it's just a powerful thing that we could all learn from. So thanks so much, Andrew, for bringing that here. And to everybody listening, you can catch Andrew Bustamante, the awesome last name, B-U-S-T-A-M-A-N-T-E, at andrewbustamante.org, themenowmovement.com, or you can catch him on Facebook and Instagram at I'm Andrew Bustamante. Andrew, thanks so much for being on the show, brother. Thank you, Alex. Thanks for having me. And in the best respect to collaboration. What you are doing on this podcast is incredibly powerful and inspiring to other dads because I know exactly what the image is of dad bod that's out there and the idea that we can redefine that. We can set our own definition for dad bod. We can show that dad bod has to do with something positive instead of this idea that we all just gain weight. I really appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate the podcast that you have already put out, and I greatly appreciate the invitation to be part of it. Hey, man, you're so welcome. I won't compromise if you won't, all right? Agreed. Have a good one, brother. Take care, sir. If you haven't already, I hope you'll share this with a friend who needs to hear it, and check out definingdadbod.com backslash donate to help out the show in spreading the news. Until next time, kick butt, take names.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.